you can appreciate that song, not just how it was done, but just the words. What an amazing message and so biblical, so rooted in scripture. Second Thessalonians chapter two, to think that we have no righteousness, none whatsoever outside of Jesus Christ and his marvelous grace, mercy, and love. Second Thessalonians chapter two, beginning in verse 13, we're going to read through verse 17. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 
13. Okay. I hear pages rustling. <laughs> Wake your partner up so they can get to the message, okay? Come on now. All right, here we go. <laughs> oh, man. I think we're all a little bit wore out these days, wear you out, don't they? If you're not careful, you can get wore out quick. Look what it says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, though, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. The Apostle Paul, of course, is writing to the church at Thessalonica. and He says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting that when we start talking about being chosen of God, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we kind of lose sight of what he's re re responding or, re excuse, should I say, sharing with us. He's not telling us that we are chosen like, well, I choose you, and no, I don't choose you. I choose you, but I don't choose you. Uh, that's called Calvinism. Okay, that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, you know, you are chosen in Christ Jesus. So the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that it's the way of salvation that was chosen. It was, it was uh, before the foundation of the world, it was already deemed the means by which we would be righteous, in Christ, uh, righteous uh, enough to be in the presence of God. And it's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When you put, place your personal faith and trust in Christ, when you are, uh, uh, put your faith in the plan of God, then you are part of the family of God. You're chosen in Christ Jesus. It's a plan that was chosen, not a person. And that's important to remember all the time. But nonetheless, he goes on to say, as we said here, whereunto he called you by our gospel, by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this now. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions by which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. We live in a day when many, many believers are finding it difficult to stand today. We find here in our passage, especially in verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. You've been chosen. You've been called by God. You've been called out of the world and into the body of Jesus Christ. You're no longer citizens of this earth. You're no longer citizens of this world. You are citizens of heaven. So I'm admonishing you. I'm encouraging you, and I'm commanding you even to stand fast. And hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And can I tell you, in our day, the day in which we live, many are finding it difficult to stand. It's certainly not getting easier in the social and political climate in which we live. Educators at all levels have promoted an anti-God agenda. They've undermined truth as it is preserved in the Word of God. The late Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once said, education without salvation is damnation. Can I tell you that you can learn everything you want about the books of the world and things of the world and everything that's going on, but my friend, if you don't understand the truth of the word of God, my, you will burn in hell forever. Amen. 
education is causing men and women to be puffed up, to be prideful, to be arrogant, and ultimately believe somehow they do not need a God who created the universe. As a matter of fact, we see that educators and wise, to those wise people in the world have deemed it necessary to say there is no God. Find a way to prove there can't be a God. They don't need God. They don't want God. They want to rule their own lives. Listen, I'm telling you that it's dangerous. If you are educated and you are without God today, my friend, you better include Christ in your life or you are on a dead-end trip right into hell. The mainstream media opposes both Christianity and its moral code to the very degree, and we're seeing it more and more now, of censorship whether it's on social media platforms all across our country or whether it's just in general, we are being censored today. They're not going to want to hear our truth. They don't want to know what we believe. The culture in which we live cries foul every single time we voice an opinion or a viewpoint that doesn't line up with their position. Listen, you can go ahead and we can debate politics all day long, but politics have turned into morality today. You better understand that what you're voting for and what you're doing in your world today matters because it's a moral issue now. The agenda of some politicians today is to push immorality in our culture and our society. And can I tell you, it's making it very difficult for you and I to stand in the world in which we live. Every sacred thing seems to be under attack today whether it's the sanctity of marriage, whether it's life itself. It seems that we are just under attack. And can I tell you that it's difficult to stand at times. I read a study here just this morning about 10 children that were sent into a room, and there was a a moderator, I guess you'd call them, in the room. The moderator had some uh, cardboard or uh, uh, some... I guess, cardboard uh, pieces of paper that, that had three lines drawn on them. You had a short line, a medium-length line, and a long line. The ten children were sent in. What was unbeknown to one of them was that all nine other children had been warned that they, they were told what was going to happen and how it was going to take place. And so what the goal of this study was is that they were all to point out the longest line. When the, the moderator pointed to the longest line, they were to raise their hands and say, that's the longest line. But one of the children wasn't told that every time he pointed to the the center line, the the second longest line, they're to raise their hand. So what happened was, is when they all came in, they stood in front, he he went ahead and he pointed to the the short one, nobody raised their hand. He pointed to the the long one, and uh, uh, the the long one, and and the, 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 the one child raised their hand, looked around, and put their hand down. That happened 75% of the time. 75% of the time, a study done with children right on up through high school. Ten children, only one wasn't in on it. The other nine only raised their hand when he pointed to the middle one, but would not raise it when it was the longest line, even though that's what they were told. Every time, seven out of ten times, 7.5 out of ten times, the child would begin to raise their hand when they pointed to the longest line and put it down. You talk about peer pressure, right? You talk about being influenced by the culture around you. I'm going to tell you, whether you believe it or not, we have all been influenced by the culture that is around us. We've all been influenced by its pressures. 
And you know what? As strong as we may feel ourselves to be, we can find it very difficult to stand in the day and age in which we live. Believers are growing weary of the battle. And they seek comfort and convenience and even rest. Sadly, that pursuit leads away from God in some cases and into a world that truly never satisfies. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We know what God's telling the Galatians. We realize that we're not the first generation to face this struggle to stand in the midst of a world in which we live. We're not the first, we won't be the last. Paul wrote to the Corinthians even, and he says to the Corinthians, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfast. Keep standing, he says to the Corinthians. Keep standing, he says to the Galatians. Keep standing, he says to every culture and every, every uh, time in history to the believer. You stand, and may I say today, it's getting difficult to stand. If we hope to remain steadfast, unmovable, if we hope to stand in the midst of a perverse generation, then we're going to have to take certain steps. And so this morning, I want to share some steps to standing today. Just give you a couple steps to standing. I'm not going to lie to you. This is probably not original. I'm going to lie to you. This is not something you've never heard. I'm not going to lie to you. You're going to say, I've heard some of these things before, and honestly, I don't think I need them. But can I tell you what? We are watching in America. Listen to me. If I said to you, you know what makes a good marriage? The truth is I probably don't have to really tell you. But can I tell you, we're not always doing it. And we need to hear it over and over and over again. Oh, communication. Oh, commitment. Oh, and we could go through the list. You'd go, oh, I already know all that. But are you doing it? And can I tell you, when it comes to our Christianity, God tells us we're to stand. And we're to stand in the midst of darkness. We're to stand in the midst of corruption. We are to stand in the midst of turmoil, confusion, and chaos. We're to stand as believers. And can I tell you, it's not getting any easier to stand. So we better take some steps to stand. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership today. We ask that you would speak to our hearts. May the familiarity of some of these issues not cause us to be turned off or away. May we not think somehow we already know all the answers unless we are applying them to our life and we're truly standing the way we ought. And the truth is, Lord, is if we're truly standing, we're probably encouraged to hear it over again. Lord, we need you. We love you. We just pray that you'd help us today as believers to be stronger, to stand, to take some basic steps to ensure that we put ourselves in a position to succeed on your behalf. Be glorified now in our lives. And Lord, if there be those that are without Christ in our presence, I pray that they would walk that aisle that was spoken of earlier, that they would recognize the need to trust and receive Christ, that they'd allow someone to take a Bible and show them very briefly what the scriptures say and what the promises of God are, and they would accept and receive Christ today before they leave. Well, thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So here we go. Real simple. You already know it, but let me just restate it. If we're step, some steps to standing, number one, remain in the sanctuary. Remain in the sanctuary. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 73, verse 1. Psalm 73, verse 1. This is one of my, one of my favorite passages. I have a number of them, but this is one of those passages that, honestly, I kind of have identified with through life at times. 
Not that often, but from time to time. And you may say as you hear it, oh yeah, I know what that he's talking about. Because see, you know, you got to understand and we have to remember all the time that we are at nature, we were atomic. It wasn't until we had to receive the new birth that we became a new creature in Christ. We still war with some of that atomic nature, so to speak. I know we're new creatures, but boy, I'll tell you what, sin has a grip on our flesh, doesn't it? Notice what it says in Psalm 73, verse 1. It says, it says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now again, in this first portion of Scripture, this person that's speaking, this person that's writing here is saying, truly God's good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. He says, I understand that God's good. I understand that he is good to those that have a clean heart. I get it. But as for me, have you ever been in a place, an as for me place? Where you know you know what you should think, you know what you should feel, you know what is right, you know what is wrong, but as for me, you ever been there? When all of a sudden those things don't matter a lot because you don't feel like that, you don't think like that, you're not going in that direction. But as for me, that it's good for you, but it's not necessarily for me. I'm not seeing it quite that way anymore. I know what I should think and I know what I should feel and I know what I should do, but as for me, and here he goes on to say, my feet were almost gone. Oh, I know truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Again, this particular psalmist, he's writing and he's saying, listen, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I know what I should think. I know who God is. I know what he's supposed to be doing and, and how I should feel. But as for me, I was almost gone. I had almost slipped. I'd almost fallen because I envied the foolish. I mean, I saw how prosperous they were, and yet they were still sinners. They were still wicked, and they didn't obey God. And here I was struggling in my life. Here I was taking it on the chin. I got to admit, I was almost ready to fall. Their bands no, they have no bands in their death. That's not really true, is it? They're, but their strength is firm. Really? The way the transgressor's heart, he says. But he, he lost sight. His perspective had been misunderstood. He had, he had seen things the wrong way. He had begun to be conformed to this thought process, his own mindset. Instead of the word of God dictating his, his feelings and his attitude and his outlook, now his feelings were the one that was on the top end. He started feeling something, and now all of a sudden, it became the reality. I tell you, we need to remain in the sanctuary, because notice what he says. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, up until the point that I walked into the house of God, up until the point that I made my way to God's house, until the point I walked into the church house, I can honestly tell you I was ready to fall because I had allowed my feelings and my outlook to become the reality of everything. But it wasn't the reality. I, had, I, I got into the house of God and a reset button was hit. I heard the preacher preaching. I heard my teacher teaching. I got around other believers in Christ. And I realized that what I was thinking was all wrong. And then I realized their end. I knew the truth then. It came to me. Well, how important is it that we remain in the sanctuary then if we intend to stand? Because every one of us needs a reset. 
Every one of us needs to recalibrate from time to time. Every one of us can be led astray by our feelings and our circumstances even. Remain in the sanctuary. You say, I want to stand. Well, I hope you do. And the truth is, it will be your choice and your decision whether you stand or you don't. But if you intend to stand, remain in the sanctuary. Two sisters were playing together. One of them was just a little eight-year-old named Martha. She insisted on playing school. Her sister Jenny was just five years old, and she wasn't in the bit interested. She wasn't a bit interested in thinking about school, but her older sister just wouldn't let it go. I mean, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Finally, little Jenny conceded and said, okay, I'll play. Then she said, mark me absent. (laughs) Mark me absent. Sadly enough, It might not be so far-fetched to think that some Christians may say, just mark me absent. I don't want to play that game no more. I'm tired of it. I'm wore out. Mark me absent! If you and I plan to stand in this decadent, wicked, sinful culture in which we live, my friend, we cannot afford to step outside to... Mark ourselves absent. We better remain in the sanctuary. Number two, number two, again, we need to rely on the scriptures. I didn't say just read them. We have to rely on the scriptures. There's a difference. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, we're given some insight as to how the Word of God works in our lives, what purpose it plays. He says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to find my way in the dark. It seems the older I'm getting, the more difficult it is to drive at night, to, to function at night, to go into a room that's dark. These guys laugh at me sometimes. We'll be doing some work or something, and I'm, I'm like going real slow. I'm like going like this. And they're like, what's, what's wrong with the old man? Now, they won't say that. They won't call me that but, 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 but because they're so kind and so considerate. But, but I'm taking my time. I'm scared. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Let me... Oh, I feel, I got you. I feel kind of like a blind. Give me, a, you know, one of them sticks or something. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I can't see good. And some of you, you're funny. Well, I stopped going fall winning because I just can't see anymore. Yeah, you're 48 years old. Yeah, I, I know. That's a good excuse. Can I tell you, I can't see a lick. I drive right past streets. I drive right past houses. I do, and, and, and then I drive off of streets that aren't there on the street. I, I'm telling you, it's dangerous for me to be on the roads at night, especially if it's raining. I told my wife the other day, it's time for you to start driving, honey, because I can't see a lick. She sees better than I do, but I don't know if it's much better. But the truth is, I'm already getting... Did I say that? I'm sorry. But she in here? Oh, there she is. (laughs) She can't see me anyway, right? (laughs) 
boy, that, that age gets to you, right? You know, the darkness, man, it's tough to navigate in the darkness. When I was in the military, we had night maneuvers. Boy, I tell you what, when, when it came, they call it night discipline, light discipline, whatever you want to call it, light discipline. Now, I drove a Jeep at one point in my, when I was over in Germany, and there was a lot of woods over there and stuff, and so I drove the Jeep, and when it came time for some light discipline, they'd say, all right, all lights out, and you'd be making a, a move at night. Man, it was tough to make moves at night. You don't have any light. They had these little lights. They were called, I don't know if they were a night light or whatever, but it was for the night. So all of your lights go out, and there's this one light on the corner of your Jeep, and it's got this little teeny square. I mean, it's so tiny, you can't hardly see it. And they're like, okay, there you go. There's your light. I'm like, I can't see a lick. That doesn't even help a, a bit. And everybody else is like, you know, we can't see that stupid light. So you know what? I had to turn the light out. You know what I learned, though, along the way, and a kind of little secret, is that what you do is through those woods, you know, you'd be going through a, a road through the woods or something, you'd look up. And when you looked up, you'd see the tree line on each side. And you'd stay in the middle of that tree line. You'd follow that gap, so to speak. And where it went, you went. Why? Because that meant there was a road cut out. Now, it can still be dangerous. But anyway, the fact is, is that you did that. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there was more light up than there was down. Can I tell you, it's important that you and I rely on the scriptures because I promise you there's more light up than down. And if you're going to positively and successfully navigate in your Christian life here on earth, and it's a dark world we live in and it's only getting darker, my friend, you better keep looking up and you better get your eyes on scripture. It'll guide you. It'll lead you. It'll be a light to you. George Foreman's book, God is God in My Corner, the former heavyweight boxing champion, he wrote, in 1974, before I went to Africa to fight Muhammad Ali, a friend gave me a Bible to take along on my trip. He said, George, keep this with you for good luck. You know, I believe the Bible was just a shepherd's handbook, probably because the only verse that I really knew was the Lord is my shepherd. But I was always looking for luck, he said. So I carried that Bible with me. I mean, I had lucky pennies. I had a good luck charms uh, of all kinds. I, so I figured, I'll, I, so I added the lucky Bible to my collection of superstitious items. After I lost the fight, I threw the Bible away. I never opened it. I thought, the Bible didn't help me win, so why do I need it? I thought I'd, I'd get power simply from, he said, I thought I'd get power from simply owning it. I didn't realize that I needed to read it and believe what it says. Since then, he said, I've come to understand that the Bible is my roadmap, not my good luck charm. Can I tell you that if we're not careful as believers, we get to the place where we believe the word of God is a good luck charm to us? Oh, I read my Bible this morning, but are you relying on it? Oh, it's just there in case I need it, you know. Bless God. I've always got a scripture if I need it. You don't need it? Hey, George Foreman came to a real important conclusion. This, this isn't some good luck charm. It's a road map. It guides us. It leads us. It directs us. It's the light that we need in a dark world. My friend, if you and I plan to stand, if we hope to ever stand, then we must rely on the scriptures. Amen. Not only that, but and we mentioned it already, we, to rely on the scriptures, yes. We said also to remain in the sanctuary, but number three, to roam in the spirit. 
If we're going to stand, we're going to have to roam in the Spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. In the book of Galatians, of course, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church there at Galatia, and he's going to admonish them and encourage them in their Christian life and walk. I truly uh, exhorted the singles today in our Sunday school class to never separate their secular and their sacred life. You know, we really run into a real problem when you and I as believers start to say, well, this is what I'm going to do in my life. This is what I'm going to do in my ministry. Your ministry and your life are together. What you do in your scripture, like with your spiritual life, is not to be separated from this life we live in. It's all one. You're a Christian first. And we make that mistake. So we go off to work and we live like we're in the world and we come back to church and we act like we're in Christ. So we go to our house and we say, well, I'm not in church so I can let the guard down. I can lower the standard here. Because I'm separating my, 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 my sacred or spiritual life from my secular life. Well, it's one thing when I'm on the job site how I talk. It's another thing how I talk when I'm, really? That's a problem. I would never think like that at church, but, well, you know, it's different. I'm not in church right now. Again, we're trying to, we, we separate it. We're not to do that. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He doesn't, just, he doesn't say walk in the Spirit when you're doing something for me. Can I tell you, you're supposed to be doing something for him all the time. Everything we do ought to be for him, whether it is go to work or whether it is uh, go out soul winning. It doesn't matter. It's all the same because we're always a Christian. Notice what he says. This I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you know that as a believer, we have a choice concerning our power source? See, before you and I were saved, we were slaves to sin. But the chains have been broken by the blood and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 4 through 6, Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The fact is, is that you and I have a choice that we get to make. By what power will we serve? By what power will we function? Will we function in the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, or will we function in our own flesh, our own strength? That's a decision that you make, and it's a decision I make. It is not a matter of our circumstance. It isn't determined upon how we are treated. It's simply, will we choose to be empowered by the Spirit, or will we walk and be empowered by the flesh? You say, well, what's the flesh? The flesh is you determining your direction. The flesh is you following your own advice. The flesh is you and I allowing ourselves and the world around us to dictate and determine not only our direction but ultimately our destination because whatever direction you're pointed will determine where you end up. And we need to allow God to do that. It's funny how all of these things kind of work together. You know, the passage is clear and the word of God is true. Remain in the sanctuary. You want to stand? 
Rely on the scriptures. You want to stand? Roam in the spirit. It all fits together. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, and are useless. Isn't that something? If the Spirit of God is not directing, if the Spirit of God is not giving us leadership, if we have not yielded to him, surrendered to his leadership, and he often leads through what? The Word of God. Most often and always, he'll never contradict it then the truth is we can do nothing. We, we are useless without his presence, his power, Amen. and his leadership in our life. If I'm going to stand, if you're going to stand, then you and I are going to have to roam in the spirit. We're going to have to walk in that spirit. Number four, finally, if we're going to stand in this sinful, wicked world in which we live, we need to rest in the stillness. We need to rest in the stillness. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. You can turn there, please. Psalm 46, 10, if you have a Bible. Powerful verse. Psalm 46, verse 10. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. The fact is, is that we are to enter into a stillness. You find still, the world that we live in is chaotic and it is confusing. It is unbelievable the chaos and confusion that exists. Now, listen, you can choose to continue in it or you can choose to separate yourself and find the stillness. It's up to you. But I, I, listen, let me give you a piece of advice that you may not believe, but I promise you this. You would do well, and so would I, not to always read the news, listen to the feeds, and be involved in what's going on in our world all the time. Someone says, well, you've got to be informed if you want to be a good Christian. Yeah, but you don't need to be drowned by it. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. We are drowning today. The spirit of man is falling, even amongst believers. We are so depressed and so discouraged and so hopeless today, even amongst the believer. Man, look at the posts that are being posted, and people sometimes will come out and say something like, well, Jesus is in control, but then they'll turn around and say, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, look what's going on in my world and life. It's proof positive that our hearts are depressed and discouraged. Now listen, you lose a loved one, you go through difficult times in your life, you lose a job, you lose this, you lose that, there's going to be loss, there's going to be a time when you have to heal. I get all that, but my friend, in general, you better be careful what you allow to feed your spirit. Amen. It's a crazy world we live in. It's a dark world, it's a sinful world, it's a wicked world. And can I tell you who controls this world? Satan does. It's not a politician. It's not a group of politicians. It's not some financial advisors. It's not people that have all the money. No, who's ruling our world is Satan himself, the God of this world. Little G, God. 
And he's called that, by the way. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. You read it if you don't believe it. You better find the stillness. You better find a place of rest. Or you'll go crazy. Before refrigerators, people used ice houses to preserve their food. Ice houses, they had real thick walls, they had no windows, and they had a door that sealed up as tight as possible. And in the winter, when the streams and and the lakes would freeze over, they'd go out and cut big blocks of ice out. They'd haul them on over to the ice houses, and then they would place them in the ice house, they'd cover them with sawdust, and shut the door behind them. I don't fully understand the sawdust and all that. I don't get everything about it. But obviously it, it protected, it kept it, I don't know what it did. But it certainly, what they found is that some of those big ice blocks would last into summer. A particular man had lost his watch. It was a very valuable watch. You've got to understand, when they used ice houses uh, uh, in, in those days, huh, you didn't have $5 watches. I mean, if you had a watch, it was a watch probably you'd keep your whole life and then pass down to your children. It was an heirloom. People didn't have things that were so frivolous. It was either used or it wasn't in the sense that it was used, used like all the time. They used it for a good reason. Sometimes they'd put watches even in hiding places and keep them safe because they didn't want them to break. You didn't run down to the Walmart and buy a $6 throwaway. So this guy was upset. He was distraught. He had lost his watch. So he went on into that old ice house and he got to looking around. He was scratching away and pushing away that sawdust. He he did everything he could to find that watch, but he never found the watch. A little boy heard about the fact that a watch had been lost in the ice house. And it came time about lunchtime or noon that he made his way on into that ice house. It wasn't too much longer after he came out with the watch. Them guys were amazed. They're like, what in the world happened? They said, young man, how'd you do it? Hey, boy, how'd you find that watch? He said, well, I went on in there. I laid down on that sawdust, and I just was real quiet. And I heard it ticking. (laughs) And he followed that noise right to that watch. Often we don't hear God speak to us because we don't listen well enough. We're too busy pushing away the sawdust. We're too busy with our own activity. We fail to hear God's voice. It is in the stillness that we hear the voice of God and that we find the rest that we need to face the day. See, the real refreshing comes when we're in His presence. We need to rest in His presence. We need to rest in the stillness. If you ever intend to stand, you better remain in the sanctuary. You better rely on the scriptures. You better roam in the spirit. You better rest in the stillness. I think there's a tremendous example in scripture that kind of wraps this all up by way of conclusion. But I think about David over in the book of Samuel chapter 30 when he and his troops had made their way back from battle And remember, they weren't really permitted to battle even, but they'd gone away to battle. They come back, and they find that the Amalekites had attacked their city. The Bible tells us in Psalm 30, verse 1, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag uh, and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. 
and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Boy, I'll tell you what, that was a day of chaos and confusion. They come home only to find their city burned, their families taken captive. There was nothing that spoke of comfort. There was nothing that spoke of, of, of refreshing. There was nothing that spoke of rest. There was only chaos and confusion. But watch how David responds. The Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I'm going to tell you right now, David, he, I, I don't know for sure, but I got to believe that David Man, in the midst of all that confusion, in the midst of all that chaos, in the midst of all that concern, he found a place of rest in the stillness and presence of God. Oh, God, what are you going to do? Oh, God, I just need to slow down. i got to listen to you. You're going to have to make the, the call on this one. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Only you do. Oh, God, I'm listening now. In your presence I am. I'm listening. And he heard the voice of God. He went, it's going to be okay. I know it's not a good situation. I know the circumstances aren't in our favor. I realize the enemy's taken our wives, and I can only imagine what could be possible and what could happen. But hold on, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the peace. I'm going to tell you right now, you just turn on the television. You, you do the foolish thing in life, turn on CNN for a while. MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS. Go ahead and turn on the mainstream media. You will lose your mind. You just wait. The day's coming. You think it's bad now to watch a commercial and all the trash they're pushing on the commercials now. It's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse, more than we ever dreamed even. You talk about chaos and confusion. You talk about immorality. It's going to be pushed down our throats, shoved down our throats like never before. It's only going to get darker and darker. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy life. I'm not saying that God can't give us grace. I'm telling you, if you don't stay in the sanctuary, I'm telling you, if you don't rely on the Scriptures... I'm telling you, if you don't roam in the spirit, I'm telling you, if you don't rest in the stillness, you will not stand. Even if you want to, you won't. Because just like those children, you'll be like that one child, and you'll go, oh, that's the truth, right? Th oh, what, what everybody else is. Don't think for a minute that you and I aren't susceptible to peer pressure, that you and I aren't susceptible to the pressure of our culture and our society, that we're not influenced negatively even. 
there are things that you accept today that you would have never accepted 20 years ago. And I'm talking about me too. There are lifestyles, there are situations, there are circumstances that we would give into that we would have said, forget it. We ain't going there. That's wrong. And we won't do it. Now we go, well, you know what? Everybody has a right to happiness. That's not my problem. I'll, I know what's right, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to cause trouble in anybody else's life by taking a stand. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look out of sorts. I don't want to look like I'm different. I just want to fit in. I promise you, if you and I don't remain in the sanctuary, if we don't rely on the scriptures, if we don't roam in the spirit, if we don't rest in the stillness, we will not stand. So we must stand. So I want to encourage you today, like David, Find that rest in the stillness. Rely on the scriptures. Roam in the spirit. Remain in the sanctuary. Don't let anything or anyone keep you from those simple, basic, spiritual fundamentals. And in a year from now, no matter what transpires and takes place outside, you'll still be standing. Steps to standing. We need to take them. I wonder, have you ever trusted and received Christ yet as your Savior? What are you standing for? Oh, no, better question. Who are you standing with? If you're not standing with the Lord Jesus and he's not standing with you, my friend, you've missed the boat. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it's okay. There's many roads that lead to heaven. I'm not going to tell you that. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no two ways. There's no three or four. There's only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Oh, by the way, he wasn't just another religious leader. He was God-man. He was Emmanuel, God with us. We can't apologize for truth, and the word of God outlines truth for us. You and I will stand before a God who created us, whether you've been taught different or not. It doesn't matter what you learned in high school or what you learned in college, my friend. What the Word of God says is truth, and you'll stand before God and give an account to the one who created you. And the fact is, is if you don't have Jesus Christ taking up your cause and you don't have his blood covering your sin, my friend, you will answer for that sin and you will spend an eternity separated from God in a place called the lake of fire. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not the Son of God hath not life, the Bible says. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. He says, this is the second death. You'll die not just once, but twice. Once physically, second time spiritually to be separated from God in a place called the lake of fire. Listen, it's not a game we play. You say, well, I think religion's cute, and I think it's nice, and I think that's fine, and everybody does what they want to do, and if that's what you like to do, fine. If I want to go out and have a beer, that's what I like to do. That makes it all right, because I like to do that. You don't have a right to tell me I'm wrong. I don't have a right to tell you you're wrong. Everybody's right. Everybody does whatever they want. Can I tell you that all that matters is what God says in the end? When it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is what God thinks and what he feels and what he says. That's all that matters. You know what? It's time for us to wake up as human beings, as the created bunch, not the creator. As the created, we ought to be abiding by the word of the Lord, by him, the creator's words. We ought to be submitting to his leadership. We ought to be submitting to his authority. 
It's not the creature that gets to tell the creator what to do and how to do it or what's right or wrong or what to think or what to... By the way, God, you have no right telling me I got to do this or I have to do that. You have no right telling me that I'm going to go to hell for my sin. That's not the way it works, God. Remember, I'm God too. And that's really what we've done in our culture. We have raised a generation of young people to believe they have every right to call the shots in their life. And what we basically have done is tell them that they are God. And you know what? It's rubbed off on us as, as adults. Just try to tell an adult to do something in the house of God. Just try to tell an adult to, that they can't do this or they can't do that or they can't do that. And they say, well, I'm an adult. I do whatever I want. And we're supposed to be the ones proving to our teenagers and our young people how we're to live our lives for God. Now, don't bring work, drinks into the auditorium. Well, that doesn't count me. That's the other people. I'm okay with it. He understands. You know, everybody understands why I do it. It's different for me. No, no, no. I'm just telling you, I know I'm getting on a little bit of a rant here, and I'm probably ending it all wrong, and I've probably stolen the show and took God in the back probably and put myself out front. I get what some are thinking right now. But let me tell you this right now. Your children will not turn out the way you want them to. They'll turn out the way you are. I don't know what's going on today, but here's what I think I believe, and here's what I know. Somebody... Somebody's life's going to change today. Somebody's life is going to change in this room. Somebody's. I don't know who it is, but somebody's. And I thought, Lord, is it going to be me? Somebody's life's going to change. I don't know if it's from those last few words I said or if it's from something that God put on my heart through the message, either one, but somebody's going to change today. You know what? If we're going to stand, if any of us are going to stand, then we have to choose to stand, first of all. And then if we're going to stand, we better remain in the sanctuary, rely on the scriptures, roam in the spirit, and rest in the stillness. May God help us to do that. And if you're lost today, my friend, you need to walk that out in just a moment when that music starts. Quit playing games. Quit pretending you got it figured out. You don't. The word of God is true, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God right now, despite anything I said, it has nothing to do with what I've said. The Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now. You're confident of it. You know something other than your feelings are at stake right now. Somebody's talking to you other than yourself, and you don't know why you feel the way you feel, but my friend, it is because God, the God of the creation, the God of heaven, is speaking to you and crying out for you to, to repent of your sin and turn to his son, Jesus Christ. Don't you dare dismiss that. You make your way to that altar. The moment the music starts, you make your way forward. You see that man right there at the front, and you have somebody take a Bible and show you how you can settle your soul salvation and how you can escape hell and enter into the presence of Jesus Christ one day. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you've done for us and all you do, but Lord, we want to stand for you, and I trust that we do. Help us, Lord, not to take lightly these steps. Help us to realize how fundamentally sound they are and how simple they are, but Lord, how important they are. Lord, today there may be that person in the crowd too that's lost without Jesus Christ. And Lord, sometimes we get the idea that it's only a soul being saved that's really life-changing. No, Lord, our lives can change if we choose to submit to authority and your authority first and foremost. Oh God of heaven, help us, Father, to, to do the simple well as we talked about last year in our, our, our theme Lord, may we just simply do those things which are pleasing in your sight. May we take those steps to, to be in your house. May we take those steps to stay in your word. May we take those steps, Father, to, to walk in the spirit. Lord, may we find your stillness. May we enter into your presence regularly, consistently, and find that break from this chaotic, confusing world we live to find strength for the day. We need you now, Lord. Help us to stand. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet.